Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Soulful Connections with Sam Black. Here, you will find opportunities for healing, renewal, and insightful conversation. Sam is an international psychic medium, trainer, and wellness coach, and is your answer for filling the soul. Good afternoon and welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Sam Black, your host, and I'm so excited to be welcoming Tanya Joy Antonio this afternoon to be chatting with you all about her story, her programs, her affirmations, and all of the amazing things she has going on. And you know, Tanya very much is a celebrated author, a mother, and an example of strength, grace, and resiliency. Tanya, welcome to the show. I am so honored to be here, Sam. I I love you. I just I had one of my most amazing healing experiences with you. So this is really special for me to be in your show. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. And that was a special moment for me too. I can remember when I met you actually and uh I remember just what a beautiful light you had. And I said to my husband, I said, that girl's going somewhere. <laughs> She's got um, some great things coming forward for her after you left. And uh, it's such a wonderful blessing for me as well to have you on the show. Thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. So today, hopefully everybody can hear me loud and clear. We had a little bit of technical issues with my mic again. It's the weirdest thing. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, and when we test it, it's totally fine. So I'm not sure what it is. So I've called in today. Either way, we both get to be here with all of you. And today's an exciting day. It's a big radio show day. I've got three, um, three different shows today. Tanya gets to kickstart it all. And Tanya, why don't you begin by sharing with our listeners a little bit about you and how you came to be where you are today because I know you've got an incredible story behind you. Yeah. So, um, oh gosh, it feels like it would take forever, but I guess my, (laughs) my whole awakening in a sense, uh, came with motherhood, like motherhood just truly sparked this whole new, uh, vibration, like in my soul. And I was extremely inspired after, well, I had a C-section, so I had a beautiful pregnancy, but I, when I ended up having a C-section, it really forced me to slow down. And I think that's actually a good thing because mine was actually extra rough, the surgery. So my healing was so much longer and I truly was just going so slow because for the first couple of months, I wasn't walking very well. I was the healing It took me a long time. So it was just nursing and sleeping and eating with my baby. That's what it was. And the vision um, for the affirmation station came to me when I was, I was nursing her and I had this vision for the affirmation station, which is my, my first book. And I remember saying to my husband, I said, "I, I just see this front cover. I see this gas station that says, fill me up. And I see these positive affirmations infusing just children and not just children, the mother, the grandmother, the teacher, the father reading it to the children. Because I think sometimes when we get older, we just don't understand. We start attaching all of this negative stuff to the two words I am. And affirmations really had a profound effect on my life when I was a child. My mother gave me these Dr. Wayne Dyer cards and 
you know, she would do those affirmations with me because I did experience a lot of trauma and probably buried a lot of it growing up. And so as much as I was so inspired and so joyful to be in motherhood, um, I was, I believe motherhood made me such a strong woman that I was now finally ready to heal the wounds because wounds resurface after motherhood. I feel like it's something people should tell young women who want to be mothers that, you know, if you have wounds, they, they most likely are going to resurface when, when you become a mother and it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's, it's, we're going to heal them now. Absolutely. And you know, in all my work, my background's in social work and education. I've worked with hundreds of families and I have to validate what you're saying. Absolutely. When we step into motherhood, regardless of how it comes to us, it does reopen old wounds that maybe haven't quite been healed. Maybe those ones that have been pushed down or tried to ignore. And those also those ideas around self and who am I and what do I bring to the table and how am I going to be a mother? And, and all of these things come, come flowing out. And what I find is when we can stand in that and be okay with it and just, you know, go through it one by one and really just embrace who we are, what we've been through, what we, what, how that makes us the woman that we are and what we have to offer our child um, and our partner and our other relationships it becomes so healing and so building of strength. Whereas some women really struggle with that and try to push it deeper. And then we see more issues down the road. So I really love that you're taking on this topic in this conversation and offering a loving solution for people to go through this process. Yeah. uh, It's not that it's easy either, because I think as mothers, we have this idea that, you know, we just have to be, how could I possibly be hurting when I have the most wonderful thing in my life? And the whole thing for me was I have to, and I am committed to healing because I refuse to and pass on these wounds to my daughter. So it's not that when I'm with her during the day, um, everything is bothering me and, you know, I'm not focused or present with her. When I'm with her, I am present. Like my first thing is being a mother, but when bed or when I have to make time for myself is I have to do the inner work like we have to make time to do the inner work just like we want to make time to maybe work out or we want to make time for our friends to have a coffee we have to schedule in inner work and we have to transmute all of that um, negative energy and old conditionings and whatever belief system that we're holding on to because not only did I a lot of the wounds that resurfaced for myself were from my father's murder so not just his murder though it was him when he was actually in my life too like how could you how could you abandon me how come there was so many broken promises how did you allow me to see drugs and guns and all the things I was exposed to as a child um you know when I was around him I I began to be very angry with him so the anger had to move through me then I could come to forgiveness and compassion but I had to let the anger move through me like it was something that I had to feel and I had to feel it in order to heal it I am at a much better um, place and relationship with his spirit now that I've allowed this to move through me but I think it had to be that way I had to actually say like you know what no that wasn't right look I have this beautiful precious daughter how how could you allow this? Then coming to the awareness that, well, he was acting at the level of his consciousness. Like we need to actually in some way hold compassion for them. It doesn't mean it's easy because 
I'm affected by it tremendously. And it sucks sometimes, like really, really sucks. <laughs> but absolutely come to that understanding, right? Like, okay, he was acting from his level of consciousness and you know, how wounded was he? What wounds was he carrying that made him act this way? And I you know, living the life of wanting to awaken and evolve, it's not easy. Like the the consciousness and the mindfulness path isn't rainbows and unicorns, right? Yeah. It looks that way. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, you know, I love that you bring this up because so many of us, I would say everyone at some point goes through this period where we have something so incredibly precious that we know on some level we are the luckiest person in the universe. And yet at the same time, we have that peace in us that holds some, some regret or some wishes that never quite came to fruition. And, you know, I experienced something quite similar. I didn't have very active parenting when I was growing up. Um, you know, my parents had split up when I was quite young. So my dad wasn't present because of that. And my mom just, when she could be present, she was, but often she mentally was not and emotionally was just not there. And so I can remember when I first had my child at 17, um, I was quite young and mm. the room was filled with people. And I can remember looking around thinking, I'm the luckiest girl in the whole world. I have this beautiful daughter. I've got this bright future. And I know I can give her a good life. And yet feeling I was so alone, even though the room was filled with people. It felt like spectators. And I really had to go through that whole process of understanding what motherhood had been demonstrated to me and where I wanted to go and find some other role models that could fill in those gaps so that I could be the woman I wanted to be and certainly had to go through healing. And I too had to go through that period or periods because it's happened a couple of times of going through that anger and just feeling it and saying, okay, now what is this really masking and what does it have to tell me so that I can step in to the woman that I need to be? And, you know, I love my mother a lot and I send her healing wishes. I choose to not have her in my life, but I still love her. And I, I really resonate with your story and how you had to go through that healing so that you could have that relationship, even if it's only on a soul level now with your father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my mother, I am so close. I see my mom like every day still. She's so active and helps me with my daughter. And um, even though she loved me unconditionally, those wounds from my father were still extremely strong. And I guess when you're exposed to trauma, you know, you witness domestic violence, like that sits with you. It's like, I can see it right at the forefront of my mind still. And she did her best to protect me, but she, she was a single mother. She had to work a lot and, you know, she did everything she could. And I love and honor her for that. But I still, I was always afraid to maybe tell my story too, because I didn't want her to ever feel like, oh, sorry, you're hurt. Like as if it was her, you know, because it wasn't. But however, all the trauma that I experienced with my father and how he passed and all of those things, they really affected me. And it has to be healed. And in order to heal it, I have to feel it. I have to go through the motions. And not to mention just the trauma that is passed down from like our lineage, like from ancestors. Mm-hmm. People, when I learned, when I learned about that, that was really profound and powerful because it, when you're an empath like myself, which I'm sure you are, 
you're such a deeply feeling human. You're so sensitive. You're sensitive to so many things. And we also carry the wounds of our grandmothers, our grandmothers, mothers, their mother's mother. And it's like, I say it stops here with me, you know? And so mm-hmm. I'm doing the work, the really, really deep work, because I mean, my daughter's going to have her stuff to work through. That is just obvious. Like we can't protect them from ever hurting or, and which that just crushes my heart because of course we want to, but I don't want her to carry my wounds. I don't want to project onto her. Um, I do fear the day when, you know, she's, she's almost four and she's starting to ask a lot of questions about my dad because she sees pictures of him. And I am, I, right now I'm struggling with the, I just say he's in heaven and what do I, you know, one day she's going to ask what happened and that story isn't pretty. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to think about it yet, but yeah, she's going to, as a human and just a deeply feeling girl, feel the hurt from it a little bit, right? It's just natural when you... I don't know. So I just want to do all the healing and like um, heal my ancestors and not project onto her. And then just say it stops with me. And one of us has to make the decision to finally do it, which I think you yourself did for, for your family. And I'm deciding to be that one in mine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for the listeners who are curious, um, only sharing what you're comfortable with, can you share a little bit about that relationship with your dad and his passing? Yeah, so my father lived with us um, until I was six. So my memories, I would love to say that I have a ton of good memories because when other people speak of him, they speak so highly of him. And he was, I can still hear his laugh. He was a beautiful human, but he was a very wounded man. And, you know, he, I witnessed domestic violence at home with my mom and he had a, there was affairs and there were things that I was exposed to at only six years old. There were moments. I had to call the cops because I was afraid that he was, you know, going to do something to harm my mom. Never me, never myself ever. Um, but I witnessed it. And that, to hold on and witness your mother's sadness and, and just, it's very hard. And to take that all in at six is just a lot. So then he had moved on to another family. And when I was 12 years old, you know, a normal day at elementary school, and my mom picked me up in the car when I looked at her, it's, you know this because you're a medium, but I just looked mm-hmm. at her and I, and I looked at her and I said, my dad, and she said, no. And so for a minute I had this sense of relief, but then when we walked in the house, you know, my aunt was sitting there and everybody, and they said to her, you know, you have to tell her. And this is when she shared with me, like your father passed. And I said, how? And she shared it with me. And I just remember the loudest scream of my life coming out. And, um, you know, his life was taken at the hands of another uh, and I lived in so much fear for a really long time. Like it just, that his murder, uh, was, I feel like the domino effect it had in my life around fear, uh, was really hard, really hard because I was just became afraid, afraid of, I became afraid of people because I thought to myself, wow, someone this close to me, someone this close that I was being almost forced to love could do this, you know, the person who did it. And it's just really scary because you, you grow up as a child thinking that you want to trust those around you. And then to find out that you can't always is very hard to take. Um, People were telling me I instantly had to forgive. I wasn't even given like a second thought to really digest it before my father's father was saying, but you have to forgive and you have to forgive. And it's like, so maybe that's why everything resurfaced. Maybe that's why I had to go through all the anger because everything had to be almost suppressed 
because I didn't Mm -hmm. know, I didn't almost have the choice, right, to forgive. And yeah, so a lot of times when we live in through that trauma, our mind can take us to different things. So what I might perceive as a situation that I feel is dangerous, let's just say, my husband might, for instance, might look at me like, what? What is going through your head? What kind of movie are you playing in your head right now? But he had to, you know, he has to understand and understand my trauma to hold that space and hold that compassion for me. And so I just want to say really quickly, too, to anybody who maybe does have uh, a trauma that they're healing, that you should really explain to your partner, well, maybe this is why I see things this way because of what Mm -hmm. I experienced. But to also give yourself the compassion and love and know that you can flip the script you can work on it. You can handle everything um, with mindfulness, meditation, affirmations. They all empower us for the better because it's easy Absolutely. to live in fear. It's so easy to live in fear. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the processes that I work with with my clients is um, timeline therapy where we can go through and heal fear and, and release the emotions but gain the learnings. And one of the really cool things with that process as well is a lot of times we do heal genealogically as well. So mm. when we're going through, it may actually be four lifetimes ago. That's where the yeah. first initial fear took place and healing that for the rest of the generations going forward. And it's so amazing how powerful it can be to really just say, okay, I acknowledge this happened. And this, this emotion is a fear. It's a response. You know, whether that's emotional, physical, a bit of everything, it's a, it's a response to an event. And if I can gain the learning from the event and let go of that emotion, then I can truly heal and help others as well. And so I love that you're going through this. And I love that you're using the affirmations because affirmations speak right to the unconscious mind. They go right back there and really help change our programming. So can you tell us a little bit more about Affirmation Station and how it's laid out and how it's helping people? Yeah, so my whole idea, really, the affirmations, you know, like I say, as women, it's really nice to see children embrace them because from ages zero to seven, that's really the programming of the subconscious mind, right? And then those precious first seven years are so crucial. So I was like saying affirmations to my daughter when she was in my belly, right? Just the whole, like, just even though, even to when she couldn't speak yet, just still doing them and we still practice them every morning. But um, I feel like as we get older, we attach so many negative things, like, as women, I'm, I'm fat, I'm bored, I'm not good enough. We are constantly, we don't even realize it, how often we're doing this. And so my whole thing originally was I wanted to, children to know that no matter what's going on around them, because we cannot always control what's going on around us, that is just a fact. I mean, being a child who grew up around some chaos and later on went to experience domestic violence myself, like we, we just can't always control what's going on around us so what if we empower them to know that they can control what's going on within them and so empowering them with the positive affirmations was a huge idea for me and then I thought to myself what about the mother who's reading it to their child then they are being reminded of their light within so the mother the father the grandmother the teacher whoever is reading it and engaging in it they are and they're doing it in a fun and simple way because a lot of the self work self-help stuff that's out there you know it's a little bit heavier a little bit more like you know serious in a sense and I feel like this is something that you can engage in with 
children and at the same time be reminded of your light within and almost start reprogramming your own mind, right? Because I'm really in, in a state of I want to reprogram so many old beliefs. Like I'm becoming so aware of what beliefs I have and how they're not serving me. They're just not serving me and they're not going to serve me any longer. I'm ready to release them. But we have to do work. We have to reprogram. And affirmations are a really powerful way to do that. Because like you said, your body will believe it. Sometimes I even look in the mirror and I do my affirmations. And I've had some really cool things happen with mirror work. And, you know, you might feel silly when you start doing it, but it's just, it works. So tell us about one of your experiences that was just really impactful with mirror work. Yeah. So honestly, this was a fun one. This was the one that I was like, okay, this is the universe telling me like, keep it up. So I kept, just kept using one about money. I, I was doing saying that, you know, getting um, into myself in the eyes saying I was worthy. I am abundant. That money flows to me easily and freely. And literally as I was doing this, um, I got a phone call um, about five, 10 minutes after I did it. I was also dancing. So I had like our morning dance party. Like we dance a lot at the house that raises your vibration. Um, I got a phone call and it said it was from the realtor that I work with. And he said, oh, the, our client just closed a deal and you have this check, which in real estate checks are typically a little bit larger because it's with real estate. And it was just like, oh, you can pick it up tomorrow. Just like, just like that. But I didn't know about the deal because he had just done it so quickly that he hadn't told me it was happening. So I didn't know it was coming. And then it just. I got that phone call and I said, wow, like that was just a really cool thing for me because that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> the money just that's showed up. Awesome. Like, yeah. So that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mirror work is so impactful. I first learned about it through Louise Hay. I'm sure that that's probably at some point Louise Hay touched your life as well. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I use mirror work in most of my teachings. So when people come to learn about intuition, whether they come to learn about how to be a coach, I use in, I use mirror work for all of those um, all of those studies because it's so important to be aware of what's going on with us mm-hmm. and be aware of what is what is that language we're using with ourselves and how can we empower ourselves. And certainly, those limiting beliefs we have so many of them. Everyone so many. does. And it's just so having some fun with it. And when they creep up, being able to assess and say, okay, so I wonder where that came from. And is it really serving me? Do I still want that in my life? And just shifting from there. So I love that you are so passionate about having a look at what beliefs are popping up for you and also exploring how you can heal them. Exactly. And to know that maybe we didn't choose those beliefs. It's maybe what we, we what we grew up around. I didn't grow up seeing a woman use her voice. And, you know, my mother had a really hard time speaking up for herself. It doesn't come easy for me to put myself out there and use my voice. But as I'm as becoming a mother now, I just refuse not to. Do you know what I mean? It's not that it's not scary. It's not that it's not scary for me to put myself out there or to speak up and what I'm so passionate and believe in. It's, but I believe in it. I'm so passionate about it. And I have to be the example for her because if I'm not, who will be? So, so many of us even have this fear of like just judgment, fear of what others think of us. Am I good enough? We dim our light because I don't know why, but we just, we do. And if we're telling a child they are unique and to believe in themselves and believe in their light. What, what makes us think that we don't deserve to believe in our own light and our divinity and 
in our amazing purpose? Like, at what point did we forget how unique and amazing and powerful we are? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it is so powerful. And I find when I'm working with people, one of the demographics, if you will, that I find there's so many limiting beliefs and so much pressure is around motherhood because it's almost as though there's so much judgment there on is that a good mom or a bad mom as if there is such a thing of either you know instead of looking at what are the strengths what do they have to bring to the table how can I help them it's it often in at least in North America I've seen that it's a lot of you know rather than building as a village a lot of times women feel very much alone as though they're raising their child on their own without support and people are judging them and so a lot of the work that I've done is really just to build their communities up and help them understand that as different as families can look, so can strengths. And mm-hmm. we just bring what we have to the table and allow that to shine because it's all beautiful. And yeah. when there are struggles, finding some people who are doing it really well so we can learn other options and just incorporating new things that we have to learn. And knowing that each child comes in without that manual. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And just really embracing that beauty that bringing bringing life to this world can have and how we can help them be the most successful, confident, loving being they can be. And they came here with their own dharma, right? So, I mean, they're not here for us. Like, we're not here to mold them and to what we want them to be. They're throbbing their own spirit, um, you know, so it's honoring their spirit, too. And so a lot of the work I like to do, just the use of imagination and affirmation and meditation, is I do them short and fun and sweet because I want it to be enjoyed by the parent and the child, but I want it to be something that the child remembers doing, and it wasn't like a chore, like it wasn't like, oh, gosh, we're meditating again, or or we're doing these affirmations, like making it fun and enjoyable. Because when you're in joy, then you're raising your vibration. And when you're raising your vibration, that's when you can start living a life of, you know, manifestation. And it doesn't mean you're never going to have struggles. Like I'm struggling in many parts of my life. Um, you know, but I have a lot of joy too. light and dark. They can, they can exist at the same time. They, they just, they can, you can have a little bit of darkness. And a whole lot of light. And I think that's this misconception we have now with the spirituality being glamorized in a sense where, you know, everybody just thinks that it's good vibes only. Well, in my house, it's all vibes because I don't ever want my daughter to think that she can't express her anger, her frustration, her overwhelm, and that she can only ever be positive. Like we say, it is safe to express how you feel. No matter what, you have to feel safe to express how you feel. So a full range of emotions are welcome and they have to move through us because if they don't move through us, that means we're suppressing them. If we're suppressing them, then we're going to become depressed, right? Absolutely, or ill, or sore, or however yeah. it manifests. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I've had some stuff manifest in some horrible back pain. Like, I had some horrible lower back pain, and I knew, like, this is emotional. hmm You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I know in the healing work that I've done over the years, someone will come in and say, you know, I, I've hurt my shoulder at a work accident. And I'll say, okay, great. Let's just see what pops up. And 
And it's, you know, the beliefs that are attached with that work accident and the behind the scenes stuff and the emotional. And I always tell people we need to heal on the emotional level, the physical level, and the spiritual level. And understanding the limiting beliefs that we've placed in those parts of our body as storage and to unpack them so that we can be pain-free and move through whatever's coming forward. So, um so I love that you're mentioning that. And I'm really excited about the fact that in your home, you allow all range of emotions to exist because it's necessary. It's necessary to teach our children that, you know, sometimes you're going to be feeling this and it's so safe to express that in a healthy way. And when mm-hmm. it's allowed, then you can teach them the healthy ways of expressing and moving through that emotion to what they want instead. So very well done, Tanya. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I definitely um, don't want her to ever feel like she has to suppress her emotions or feel unsafe to express that something's made her angry. Like, oh, yeah, it's funny because, you know, I share the meditations and I share the cute affirmations because when it comes, like, if I show things with my daughter, and I remember someone said to me, wow, your daughter's just so zen all the time. And I my daughter's almost four. Do you think she's actually zen all the time? <laughs> she, I don't think so. Um, she is a strong-willed, very spirited, absolutely amazing child. But she is, she gets angry. She gets upset. She can throw it down with, when, with the so-called word tantrum, whatever you want to call it. I just say that they are having you know, experiencing some overwhelming emotions, but why do we put this, why do we put this pressure on kids that they have to be so well behaved when half the time adults aren't even behaving well. And, you know, they're allowed to have bad days. They're allowed to be miserable. I mean, they're human. And how many times do we say, Oh, wow, I'm so affected by the moon's energy. And, you know, what do you think this small person is experiencing? They have it going through them, too. They're human. They are feeling just like we are. I I feel like we owe them just as much honor and respect as we owe an adult or just the same thing. Or more. Or more, (laughs) yeah. And she's really my greatest teacher. She is my greatest teacher. I didn't really know what it was like to be present, you know, fully present, I don't think, until really becoming a mom. Like, she showed me what it means to slow down, to be present, to enjoy the little things. And she reawakened that in me. And when it comes to a lot of, so I share these meditations and some people will be like, well, I don't meditate. So then they don't share it with their child. But I say, just because you didn't grow up meditating, it's not like I grew up meditating every day. Um, but just because you didn't grow up doing it doesn't mean you shouldn't instill it in your children now because this is the future. They are the future. And then maybe by engaging in the two to three minute or five minute meditations I post with them, you'll find a few minutes of relaxation for yourself. Or you can pour yourself a cup of tea or a coffee while they sit there and do it. And it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes. They can just engage in fun little affirmation practice, a a short little meditation, just reminding them that they have the power within, they have their breath, take their breath with them everywhere they go, because we're, we are a society who is looking to the external to solve everything. We keep looking outside of ourselves. So I feel like if we can just teach our children, encourage our children to know they have the power within, then maybe the future generations are going to um, be a little more peaceful and just a little more uh, happy and loving and kind, <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a big piece around, you know, I didn't meditate when I was a child. Well, we didn't we didn't know what we know now then. 
we, we only know what comes into our awareness. And the beautiful thing with this human experience is we can keep learning regardless of what age we are. So it's absolutely wonderful. And, and, you know, we all do the very best we can with what we have. And when these new tools and these new practices and these new ideas come forward and show up for us, mm-hmm. then we're able to embrace them and try them and, and pass them on to others. Some things may not fit for some people. And I really encourage everyone, if you find meditation in the traditional sense doesn't, doesn't work for you, and I say that in quotes, because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's not that it's not working. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, our perception is. Um, but understand that meditation can look so many different ways. It can be when you're driving in town, you're at a stoplight. I used to love when Wayne Dyer would say in his lectures, you know, stoplights are a great time to meditate. Close your eyes, mm-hmm. take a couple of deep breaths, because the person behind you is going to let you know if you're missing the light. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, Sometimes when I wash the dishes. Yeah, yeah, washing the dishes is wonderful. In the shower, that's a big spot for me. Um, before that. I do a yeah. good writing session, I go in the shower, and I might be in there until it's cold. Just allowing that water to flow and that writing to come to me and, you know, whatever's coming forward. Also, you know, going for walks in nature, that can be a form of meditation as well. Just sitting and just, you know, sitting in silence. Yeah, just being with yourself. Like, just be with yourself. <laughs> it's actually Absolutely. a really beautiful thing. Um, a lot for me as a new mother was done while I was nursing. Both of my books I wrote mm-hmm. when I was nursing because I would sit there, you know, you're feeding on demand. I'm recovering from a C-section and my child, she ate on demand all the time, all the time. So I would have my notepad or my phone and I would record it in my notepad on my phone and just the downloads I would get while nursing. And I thought, wow, I'm nurturing her and I'm being nurtured with these thoughts. And so that's why I'm passionate about sharing them too, because so often we get these ideas, which I call like gifts from God or the universe, however you want to say it. And we're so afraid to share them, but don't take all the credit for it. Like you got this download. Now it's your it's your responsibility to share it because it was given to you for a reason. So I'm following that intuition and that knowing that I'm meant to share these things. And that's why I'm doing. Yeah. And I love how you point that out, that it happened during nursing. So I, I wish I had met you when I was nursing (laughs) because for me, I don't, I don't have positive memories of that. And, and that's one thing I wish that I did have because I can see how it can be such a beautiful experience. Um, However, even in just feeding my child or holding them and just looking Mm -hmm. at them, my grandchildren as well, it's such a gorgeous blessing just to hold new life and look at all of the potential and possibility and allow that to be reflected back to that you know if you woke up this morning and you've got a heartbeat you have potential there are gifts inside you just waiting to be spilled out to the universe and so I love that you took that opportunity to write your books Mm -hmm. and to share those messages with others so that they too can heal and can benefit and can grow. Yeah. And I, you know, with your experience with nursing, so I had a really horrible and traumatic uh, delivery. It ended up turning very traumatic and it was very long. And I didn't know that I was going to be able to nurse. We don't know how long we'll be able to nurse either. Mm -hmm. That that is literally a day by day thing. And I think whether you, you do or you don't, that mothers need to hold space for each other and not judge either way. Because for me, I felt 
um, you know, a little bit of judgment because I did it. Um, well, I still do. I've just been nursing for so long and it's, it's not the norm. It's not accepted widely by everybody. And I say, I don't ever judge a woman for eating with a bottle, like bottle breast fed is best. Like we need mm-hmm. to stop. We need to stop and hold space and understand that just because uh, one mother does it one way, it doesn't make it right or wrong because the thing is, is like you said, each child is unique and we need to be the mm-hmm. mother we need to be for our child, not because we think what someone else is going to think or, oh, no, I'm not living up to so-and-so's expectations of of motherhood. Like, do it your way. Listen to your child. Let them guide you and and be confident in that. Your mother's intuition is um, really powerful if you can tune into it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned all this, and we're going to explore some of this a little bit more tonight when Jasmine Gonzalez is on the show because she's um, she's a champion for helping moms with breastfeeding. And I want to stress, you know, what Tanya's saying is so true. Each woman and each experience is different, and sometimes it's not a matter of choice. I know in all the work I've done with moms, whether it was when I was working as a doula or social worker and with myself with all five of my children, there's a lot of stigma around feeding. And I can mm-hmm. remember when I had Kelly, I was, let's mention I was 17 and wow. I wasn't even encouraged to breastfeed and it didn't even come into my awareness that I should. I remembered mm-hmm. my mom bottle feeding my brother and Um, When I babysat, I always used bottles. So I just assumed that that's what I was going to do. And no one offered me anything different. So it was totally fine. And my beautiful, beautiful friend, Sheila, she had her baby the day before. And she chose to breastfeed. And I can remember us being in Toronto at Yorkdale Mall. We were going to get the girls their ears pierced. And sure enough, she had to feed her baby. And the stigma of people staring at her. And I thought, wow, that must be really horrible for her to go through. I can't imagine what that feels like. And mm-hmm. then fast forward eight years later when I'm, you know, I had um, Brooklyn, my middle, my middle child, mm-hmm. um, and I did try breastfeeding with her, and it, it was not working well. I did it for three weeks, and as mm-hmm. I mentioned, it, I wish it had been a more um, rewarding experience than it had been. Um, however, when I switched to bottle, the guilt that I felt, the... Mm-hmm the comments that came from other moms and rather than anyone saying, you know, Oh, you gave it a good go. Like, you know, you're, you're doing what you need to do as a mom. Those messages didn't come except from our pediatrician. And the pediatrician had known me since I was about eight. She was uh, my brother's pediatrician. So she'd seen me grow up and um, we went in there um, actually for Tristan. He had had his, his five year, immunization for school and so I thought oh I'm going to bring the baby so she can meet the baby and I went in and didn't realize that my breast had been bleeding through my shirt oh wow and I must have looked (laughs) I'm sure beautiful and yet like I needed a nap or something because she took one look at me Uh and she turned to Chris and she said what have you done to her (laughs) I've seen her two raise two babies already and this did not happen what have you done to her go get some formula and don't come back till you have it (laughs) why would you do this to yourself yeah the guilt and shame that women feel it's it's unfair wake up yes it is unfair and I needed that wake-up call because I wasn't doing my baby any good. I wasn't doing, you know, my older children any good or my husband or myself. 
felt that pressure, right? Yeah. So I love that you mentioned that because as women, as long as we're, you know, loving and feeding our babies for them, <laughs> what yeah. we're, we're coming from, there's science on both ends. But I can tell you all the women I worked with, as long as mom was getting some sleep and the babies were eating and healthy, they were happy families. Yeah, and, and I came down to I feel like there's just as much judgment, believe it or not, now even towards women who breastfeed because um, I I get the question I used to get the question all the time. Well, how long are you going to do that? Well, doesn't she have teeth and this and that and all of these things and all these things to make me for half a second feel like should I be ashamed of what I'm doing? And then and then I dropped it and Mama's intuition came back and said it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. No. This is my unique family. This is my family dynamic. Um, we are allowed to have different choices and still honor each other. Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no checklist to check off. And so many, so much pressure on children nowadays, like just all these checklists about, did they do this? And are they enrolled in this? And we're over scheduling them and we're over, it's an overstimuli, uh, overstimulation, um, just era. And, you know, we got to bring it back to just our primal roots almost and just, uh, let the kids be, let them be, let them be young. Everybody wants them to just grow up and do all this and check these things off. Cause maybe it's the parent's ego who wants to, you know, Dr. Shafali, she's really great on conscious parenting. And she says half the time it's because the parent wants to check something off on their list. And we need to stop that and tune into our unique child because they will tell us what they need. They will guide us. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And it's so true. And, you know, we have, as I mentioned, we have five children and each one of them is so, so incredibly different. Mm -hmm. And I can remember about, I think two years ago, maybe a little longer, we, we took a break from all the extracurriculars. When they were younger, we put them in a lot so they could try it. But if they don't enjoy it, we don't force them to go. Mm-hmm. is our position and I, I know um, some other wonderful parents who say it builds character for them to go and I'm not judging either way but I can remember the one time you know we didn't have them in anything however we were you know we go to the park and we do our own things and I I had a mom say you know why why aren't you instilling any values in them and and I listened for a few moments and I, I said I I love that question can you share with me where it's coming from? Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she shared that from her perspective that, you know, we were, we need to give them opportunities by going to everything. And, and I just honored her question. And I thanked her for asking me that. And I just said, I'm, I'm honoring my child right Mm -hmm. now. And, and I love that you can do all those things. And, and certainly we can too, um, we just have a different approach. And I, th- I think it's wonderful how families can be unique and different all in themselves. And, and I left it at that. And mm-hmm. she, it was almost like she wanted to argue and debate about it. And I said, no, no. I said, I'm okay. I'm, I'm yeah. okay not debating this. And, and I, I love, I love what you're doing. I think you're a great mom and I think I'm a great mom. And I, I think that's where I end the conversation. Yeah. And that's so great of you. All wonderful, loving beings, and we all make mistakes. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we all do the best we can with the programming we have, and we can upgrade that programming at any time when we're finding that it's getting too outdated for what we need. Absolutely. Just, Be open-minded, right? That. Absolutely. Yeah, like let us have open hearts and open minds. And I like how you were gentle with your 
you know, response to her, because the thing is, is that if someone is asking out of curiosity, like, for example, with breastfeeding for myself, if someone's asking out of curiosity, I don't mind talking about it. But if someone is actually straight out judging me and just projecting their, maybe it's fears or beliefs about it onto me, then I'm not really comfortable and don't really want to fully engage. Right. And, and so, and especially if they ask in front of the child, like then things, are just uncomfortable and I just choose not to answer. But when someone comes from for anything out of a place of curiosity and they really just want to learn like, wow, what's it like? What, what was your idea? Why are you approaching it this way? Then it's really nice to engage in that conversation. And especially if you guys are doing things differently and you can both honor the way you're doing it, that's just such a beautiful thing. I don't know why everyone thinks we have to do everything the same in order to get along because then that, that would just be boring. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's all those experiences. And the reality is that we all have so many options, so many options. And so listening to these variations of what's working for other people, all that does is widen our horizon. Mm-hmm. Rather than having that piece where when we judge, it limits, it makes it tunnel. And we really want to open it up, break those tunnels down into these beautiful horizons where it's working for lots of people because what happens is when we listen, then when other people are stuck, we can say to them, you know, I met this mom and she really has these cool ideas around this. Do any of them fit for you? That's all it's about sharing these commonalities. We have so many more similarities than we do differences. Absolutely. And I feel like moms judge themselves so harshly enough that they don't really need anybody else's judgment on them they are judging themselves, wondering if they're doing everything right. And, you know, like you said, there are times where it can feel lonely if you don't have someone who understands or supports you. Like, you need that support. You do. And yourself as a medium and just such an intuitive person, the one good thing is it doesn't mean it's not hard or lonely at times, but having that knowing and having that relationship with your inner GPS is a really powerful thing because then you're not going to let the outside forces influence you're knowing and because you're knowing sometimes if you're breaking the norms and you're not doing things the way, you know, X, Y, Z, one, two, three, checking all the things, then you, it can feel lonely and, but it's okay. Like you'll get through it and you'll be thankful that you listened to yourself. So I just want to say to moms too, like do it your way and don't apologize for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, I, I think it's, and I believe apologies, when we've done something harmful or something that, you know, we feel bad for, I, I feel an apology is, is a wonderful thing. However, apologizing for being yourself, apologizing for listening to your inner knowing, apologizing for being different than the rest, that, that's not helping you or your child or your community. It's really limiting. And so it's so important to just stand up and say, you know, Rather than the apology, I like to say thank you. Thank you so much for showing me something different. I'm excited about what I'm doing, and now I get to learn about what you're doing too. And I find it so helpful that way. Hello? All right. Ken, are you still there? Let's see here. Okay, so I'm going to keep going. I'm not able to hear Tanya right now, but I know that she is around. <laughs> and 
I'm really loving this conversation with you, Tanya. So what I'm wondering, for those of you listening, I'm wondering what experiences you've had and what self-talk you have been hearing and listening I'm still to here. and how you can Just in shift case from that something space cut out. to a space where, where you're really listening to that self and honoring it and what you're seeing in other people and what you can learn from them. And if you are curious about Tanya, really check out Tanya Joy Antonio's website and you can check out also her books. So Affirmation Station, as she mentioned, is something it's, I find it's a wonderful gift as well for teachers and um, sharing that who around children. So how many of you have, you know, purchased a gift for a teacher in your classroom or, or your children's classroom rather, or perhaps a daycare provider or gymnastics teacher, something along those lines, because incorporating these short activities in the group is so beneficial and so lovely. So I'm not sure what happened to Tanya. I know that she's around and I know that you can also connect with her, Tanya Joy Antonio. I have her website right in the description of the episode. So please um, check her out. If you've enjoyed this episode, um, you definitely are also going to enjoy the episode tonight at 8 p.m. I'm going to be connecting with my soul niece, um, Jasmine Gonzalez, and You may have already heard her mom, Shirley Felder, was on um, two months ago, I think. Just look it up, Shirley Felder. She is a lot of fun, and Jasmine is as well. And I'm also going to be connecting at 3.30 today with Sharon Byrne Morris, and we're going to be talking more about healing and connecting. So I want to thank Tanya so much for being on the show today for sharing her insight for sharing her wisdom um she is such a beautiful soul i really encourage you to check her out and if you've loved this episode and other episodes just subscribe so you can stay up to date about what's happening with soulful connections i also have a facebook group listeners of soulful connections as well on facebook and you can find me at www.samblack.ca i'm on facebook sam black psychic medium and also sam black coaching solutions and on instagram sam black psychic medium i hope you all have an absolutely beautiful day I'm, again, so grateful to Tanya for coming on the show today, sharing her story, and she's got so much wisdom and knowledge. And I'm so excited to be back here again today at 3.30. Have a gorgeous day, everyone.